Joshua Toomey here of the Talk To Me podcast. And before we get into this next episode on the CMS Podcast Network, let's talk about the Talk To Me t-shirt. It is awesome. It has a skull, pizza, and headphones, all the great things in life. <laughs> so if you want to support the Talk To Me podcast, head over to talktomepod.com, scroll to the bottom of the screen, order yourself a Talk To Me t-shirt, let your friends and family know that you support the Talk To Me podcast, and that will be much appreciated. So once again, guys, talktomepod.com, and now on to the episode you actually came to see. All right, guys, let's welcome Porter from Atreyu to the Talk To Me podcast. Porter, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. How about you? Fantastic myself. And as a Johnny Cash fan, I have to know, does Porter have anything to do with Hey Porter? No, but uh, <laughs> I've had this Johnny Cash mouse pad there you for clearly <laughs> a long time. It's fucking disgusting. I need to wash it. Uh, and I've had that thing for like 20 years. No, there's no connection. Uh, my father was named Porter. My grandfather was named Porter with different middle names. So it's a long-term family name. You're like Hank, Hank, Hank Williams, Hank Jr. There's a, there's a fourth Hank Williams out there now, I think. Uh, Probably. Yeah. Know. There's a, they're from about an hour and a half North of here as well. I, I'm in Southern Alabama. And when we, you drive up North going to Atlanta or anywhere above here, you see like birthplace, a place of Hank Williams senior. I <laughs> still haven't go. been, I need to go every time. I'm like, fuck, we need to plan for this. All right, so well, let's dive into that part of it because looking into your past a little bit, I mean, it was it's a very bizarre past of like Alabama and Germany. So how does that happen? How are you in a German band before Atreyu? How did all that that come to be? Uh, well, I wasn't in a German band. Um, so I was born and raised in Southern Alabama, and that's where I am currently. Um, I went to school in Orange County, California. Okay. I went out to to go to college there. I met. I played in a couple bands out there, and then I met the Atreyu guys. I actually dropped out of, let's just say took a leave of absence, because it sounds better, uh, that I never went back to. Um, left school to play in a different band, and then we kind of parted ways shortly after that. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't like music anyways. I got about six months till the next term started. I'll just work. Starts back. I'll just work. And uh, four days later, Atreyu asked me to play. So... That's huh. my story since 2004. Um, and then in 2015, I met my now wife, Julia, who's German. And so I went over there for two years from about 2016 to the end of 2018. We lived over there, got married, and then now we are here in Southern Alabama, where I came from. There we in go. the house my grandfather built in 1937, which is old for America, not for Germany. <laughs> <laughs> well that was the year of the uh, big flood in the uh, a lot of the southern states so was... yeah it's uh <laughs> it's been a lot of weather that's a whole nother conversation if we want to talk about the weather but hurricanes are a, a thing man <laughs> i will yeah. say yeah here in the louisville area 1937 was the year of the 37 flood so there's still oh. there's still markers everywhere around town of like how high the water you know, uh, rows or whatnot. So yeah, big, big year in, uh, in, in weather and, uh, construction, I guess. Huh. I did not know that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, man. So, so, you know, knowledge is, uh, knowledge is power these days, right? <laughs> You're strong. 
then the next next time you come through and you'll be like, oh, do, you know, when you're in the uh, in the bus or the van or whatnot, you're like, did you know that in 1937 there was a gigantic flood here? And Good all, the, all the rest of a tray you will. Uh, I love Louisville. We played there fairly recently. And our video photo guy on the last couple tours is from Louisville. And he he's incredible. Uh, and he brought us wings from this super fancy place. Not fancy, but like staple Louisville place. Do you know the name? Do you remember the name of it? I, ring a bell? As long as is I've lived here, I've, I've never ingra you know, was it, uh, ingratiated myself into the, uh, you know, the famous landmarks of the city and whatnot. So. Huh. I might have to text him after this and get the name for you. Yeah, well, then we'll, we'll figure yeah. that out. I can tell you a lot about Nashville. I grew up there and went to high school there, all that stuff, and then moved here. Uh, you know, many years ago, but whatnot. But yeah, we'll have to. I, I always love a good wing, so so definitely nice. pass that on. Uh, you know, as as we were talking a little bit before we started recording, um, you know, Brandon moving from the drums to to main vocals. Brandon mm -hmm. to me is is the voice of a Treyu. I know that a lot mm -hmm. of people are probably going to poo poo on that and say that Alex was is also a huge part of the sound. But when it comes to a Treyu, sing along songs, things like that. I mean, you need. You need Brandon there for the mm -hmm. for that. It's just such a distinct, cool voice, man. It's true, voice of an angel. <laughs> How is it for you being a part of the rhythm section to to kind of not look, turn around and see him back there, but he's running around, running past you, patting you on the head, and all that stuff now? Like, how is that? <laughs> how is that for you? Um, well, we haven't played many shows as, I mean, for obvious reasons, as this setup. We actually in 2019 we went over to Europe. And Alex couldn't join us. Uh, we found out very close to when we were leaving. We're like, "Fuck, that sucks." Like, I hope you're okay. We gotta, we have to go over there. You know, it was like big festival, rock and ring, rock and park, massive things, and in, in Europe, slam dunk festival. So we got Kyle, who is our now drummer, to fill in. Like, learned all the album without an, a rehearsal. <laughs> we had one rehearsal that was writ like riddled with nine tenths technical difficulties. And we played the, the songs through once, the festival set, mind you, not like an actual headliner right. set. Uh, and so we did that once and then played in um, the first show was Leeds South. Or no, not Leeds then. Slam Dunk South, which I can't remember where that one was. I feel bad now. But either way. Um, and obviously we were nervous. We were excited. It had all the, all the feelings of, you know. Like we have to fucking crush this. This is a different experience. It's a different experience for us and the fans. Like we got to still prove ourselves and be as good as we can be as we normally are. And I remember the first song, just like that, like overwhelming. Uh, <laughs> my my friends in what is the RX Bandits and the Sound of Animals Fighting call it the baby rattlesnake, because baby rattlesnakes can't control their venom. And for the first few shows of a tour that you're like that on stage. You're just like running around, you're giving it everything you got. And then like by the third song in, you're fucking dusted. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. Can I cuss on here? I don't oh, know. Oh yeah. You're welcome. And, okay. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I just remember first song. I don't remember what the first song was. Let's just say doomsday for this bit. Uh, and we're playing and I just feel this like fucking freight train sprinting around behind like shaking the stage. I'm like, what the, I genuinely like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? And it was just Brandon. I was like, Oh, right. He's up here now. He's a big fucking boy. So it was an awesome feeling. And honestly, like, um, we didn't know that this is that we would be where we are now. Then, right? We had no idea that this would be the the path we were on, and kind of a foreshadowing of of our future setup. But those shows were very fun. Um, Brandon is an excellent frontman. 
He's charismatic. He's commanding. He's has obviously has a great voice. He knows how to entertain a crowd, which is always a plus. Um, you know, from his days in Hell or High Water, he was the front man in that. So he had a lot of experience. Um, and like the uh, the classic, like, uh, you know, van and trailer, you got to fucking work for it. You're playing to not that many people every night. And you got to work to entertain. You could see that when he then was translated to these stages where we had, you know, more people. So, uh, and then Kyle, we've known Kyle for, you know, very long time, 15 years or so. He's an incredible drummer, an even better human. And he's not the same drummer as Brandon. Uh, Brandon would probably say he's better than Brandon. I think they're just, you know, it's two different branches of, right. of style. Like Brandon is Hulk smash and he's great <laughs> at it. And, uh, you know, you feel his him playing, but Kyle's got more of a groove and like a good rhythm to it, which is a, an interesting feeling. And it works well with us. You know, it's a really, really fun dynamic. So the only thing we've played are those two carry the fire live streams, uh, as this, you know, next chapter of our band and they were fucking phenomenal, but I can't compare it to a normal show. There's no, you know, <laughs> right. we, we play a song and like the lighting guy and like Brandon's wife are clapping. Like that's all we had as far as a, it was like, was that good? Okay. All right. Next song. So, but uh, no, it's good, man. It's a, it's yeah. an exciting time in our band to say the least. How is it for you to kind of have to take over more, more of a lead vocal also, you know, I know that you say that you, you were on a lot of the old records and you sang a lot anyway, but now you're having to step up and sing bigger chunks at a time. And, you know, where to where you're having to, you know, there's a new drummer behind you, Brandon's running around. You've also got to remember to get up to the mic and, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, you have a lot, a lot of changes going on around you, probably more changes around you than most in the band. Yeah. I haven't even noticed than anyone. <laughs> it's, a yeah. lot, it's a lot harder for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to lock into a new drummer. You've got to sing more parts. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot for lyrics, you. man. Got to yeah. remember the fucking lyrics. No, it's, uh, I love it. I'm not going to lie to you. It's um, every band I was in before Atreyu, I was the front man. I okay. was the guy that talked. I wrote all the lyrics. I wrote not on all the lyrics, most of the lyrics. I wrote, you know, most of the melodies and all of that stuff. So that comes naturally to me. So when I joined Atreyu in 2004, I stepped into a very established setup, right? You have Alex, who at that time was mainly doing all of the lyrics. Brandon was doing a majority of the melodies. They were both doing melodies. Like there wasn't a role for me as like a prominent presence. So I just did what any good bassist would do or any person jumping into that <laughs> scenario. I'm not going to put my ego into this already established thing. I'm just going to do my best to fill the gaps and make it a better uplift the entirety as a whole, you know, which, uh, I think I did fairly successfully. So, um, and Brandon actually complimented me on recently. And I was actually very grateful for that because well, I never thought of it. I did that, but anyways, um, enough tooting my own horn. Uh, no, but I, I, it's a natural role for me to be a front man, to speak in between songs, to have that dynamic, to write lyrics, to write melodies. And I think that's one of the things that we felt and baptized because, most people don't know, but Alex, <clears throat> Alex was there for, you know, half of this record. So there was a point where, you know, a, a second half of the album, let's say, uh, where he wasn't. And we wrote a good chunk of songs after that. And it was a new experience. And it was like, it was kind of like me rediscovering my worth in that role, right? And yeah. remembering not only like, 
what I did back then. Cause like, obviously I don't want to be the fucking person I was in 2002. Like I've, I've grown as a human, I've grown in spirit and creativity and my artistic ability and all that sort of stuff. So like discovering who I am now in this role was a beautiful thing in, in baptize. And honestly, like I keep joking about it and it's probably not the best thing to do when you're about <laughs> to release an album, but like, I just want to do another one already. Like, right. It's so fucking exciting writing this last record. And we were just hitting like to a point where it was like, that's looks like we're fighting. We're just hitting a point of like fluidity where it was like, I just want to keep writing. I don't want to stop. And I think to be honest, we have that with every album. Like we are luckily, I'll knock on some wood here. We are like, we have a creative wellspring that doesn't really ever dry out. Like we, if we had the money <laughs> we could just hire John Feldman studio and whatever, or whatever, and just go for a really long time. So like backing up to baptize, like, I really enjoyed discovering myself again as a lyricist and a singer and remembering that I do have really fucking good ideas. Like there's a song called Catastrophe, for instance, was one of the, uh, I think underrated and Catastrophe were the first ones we wrote when we uh, started that second half. And obviously you've heard underrated, so you hear how influential and, you know, me and Brandon wrote all the lyrics for that song. Uh, and then catastrophe like i wrote the chorus melody on it i wrote the chorus melody for save us too so i was still influenced back then but like the second verse i remember like we're sitting there trying to get it and usually my role would be like okay one of the singers doesn't have an idea i have something and i would kind of always be ready to to like boost them up or give ideas and that sort of stuff but i was like i got something i'm gonna go try it and so i just went in the booth did it one take and everybody was like that was fucking awesome and it was like <laughs> oh, wait, that was awesome. Like, that feels fucking amazing. Because before I would like, you know, I'd have these layers of like, should I say something? Is it good enough to, to bring up to a room? Like, I have my own deep levels of insecurity that I exist around and anxiety <clears throat> all the time. So I kind of like got past that a few times in this recording process. And I fucking love it. And I just can't wait to do more, man. Like, I it's the most exciting time in music for me personally. And I can know that that sentiment is echoed across the other four members of my band. Yeah, it's, it's pretty insane. Uh, kind of going back to something you said about Kyle joining the band in the last tour mm -hmm. and having no rehearsal or having one rehearsal, one rant, random run through. I don't think there's been a handful of people that have ever been on this show that a new member has come into the band with like a month's worth of rehearsal. It's always, we have a tour, we need a guy, I know a guy, he's in the band now, let's go. You know, even, even when I toured the, the biggest tour I ever did, I had a half a song rehearsal. Then we jumped, <laughs> we jumped in the van and drove to New York. So it was just like, it's, it, that's a, that's a tried and true, you know, if you know the band, you should know their songs just in case, you know, they need yeah. you at a, at a moment's notice. Yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, Kyle was, Kyle was fantastic. And you know, we maybe heard him miss like a couple moments, if that, but it's nothing that mattered. He fucking conquered. And by the end of that tour, we were the, like, we started in England and we ended in Germany with the Rock and Ring, Rock and Park. And it was like, by the end, we were just a, it was, it was a fucking well-oiled machine. We were all like, we we're all on it. Yeah. I mean, I, to, to be honest, like when I joined in 2004, it was the same thing. Like we had a show in Vegas to start a tour, I think, or we had like, a massive, like, 5,000 people in Vegas, which was the biggest show I'd ever played at the time. Right. And uh, we didn't have a single rehearsal. They gave me 
the cursed bass and drums was like, here's a CD, mailed it, learn this, learn all of Suicide Notes, and we'll learn these like 25 songs or whatever, and we'll we have a show in Vegas. And then Brandon came to the place where I could like a garage in my friend's house where I had an amp plugged in. And I like played along to a couple songs, like, like you said, maybe a half a song or a song and a half. He's like, yeah, I think you got it. I'm like, what? He's like, okay, let's go. I'm like, that's it. Like, I don't get a practice with you guys. He's like, no, we, we got to play a show. I'm like, okay. Yeah, every, every other band I had before that, you know, we were three, four nights a week in the, in the jam room, the rehearsal space and just, you know, hashing out the songs. And then anytime mm -hmm. I ever did anything big, it was like, um, we're going now. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah is, it doesn't have to be that way. We should, we should not do that to anyone ever again. <laughs> if we have the choice. Were you or Kyle, the kind of person, did he have notes written everywhere? Like notes written on the snare drum notes taped over here. Like this song starts with, uh, things that you don't even know what he's writing down. They, they mean nothing to you, but they were uh, cues for him. He might have. He honestly might have. It was such a whirlwind for all of us in that moment that I don't remember seeing something. He probably wrote something on the snare drum or that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I didn't have anything like that personally, no. How did you do your first show, Alex? Do you? Uh... How did I do? Yeah. Uh, probably poorly if you listen to a recorded version because I was trying to. I was trying to show off stage moves too much back then i think you know what i mean oh, so yeah. i'm sure i played the songs well enough and it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't a degradation in the quality of what i was doing compared to the previous basis but it was i definitely probably slung my bass around a little too much i got yeah. fucking wild in the band before Atreyu. <laughs> it's more wild than you guys have seen me in a Atreyu. i would take off the bass and swing it around by the headstock over my head and instead of playing breakdowns like i yeah too i got much. nicknamed the lumberjack because there was one show we were playing in a coffee house there were like trees above us and I was doing a move like where I was swinging it over my head and I was just literally just chopping down the tree above me with, <laughs> with the fucking Ernie ball headstock. It was amazing. The, uh, <laughs> it's too much, man. Um, you know, one thing I've kind of noticed and, and with, with a tree, you, some of the newer stuff has, has newer elements in it, new, you know, uh, electronic sounds, things like that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are, are, I've, I've read online from the internet no, I have to. I have to. I like to see what <laughs> the people because it's not about me. If it was about me, I'd be like, I'd be fighting everybody. But since it's about you guys, I just want to see what everyone else's uh, take is. But you know, everybody's like, oh, they're going too pop. They're going to this. But I think that's been a, an Atreyu things even since you know Lead Sales. I remember when that came out for you guys working with John Feldman back then, mm -hmm. and you know it was a little bit more rock than than metalcore and stuff in moments and and. People, uh, I think that's always kind of just been a, an Atreyu staple where you're kind of pushing the sure. boundaries of what you can do uh, rather than like, oh, let's sell out and do this. You know, I think Treyu is always kind of pushing the boundaries. Well, I appreciate that you've digested it that way. Um, I know that like, it's, it always makes me laugh when I get, we see sh like shit talking from fans and people on the internet and they're like, yeah, I just fucking, you guys are just too soft now. Like, your music's just, like, fucking changed so much. Why can't you write heavy songs like X's and O's? <laughs> and they're like, have you ever fucking heard X's and O's? Like, that song was us selling out back then in your eyes. Like, we wrote right. the theft on Death Grip. Like, we, like we, we're, we're a band that's never going to write the same song twice. We're always going to challenge ourselves. And we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. And we have, in, like, 
you know, a respectful way to people to care. Like, I think that's why you like us or a good chunk of it's because we always challenge ourselves and challenge you. There are lots of bands that write the same song on every record and it works, you know, like ACDC sounds fairly similar on every one and they're great, but like, that's just not our thing. We're going to write all over the place. We're going to write in all different styles. We're going to write in all different types of music. We're going to continue to challenge ourselves. And I mean, and I know you've had a, at least a few moments with Baptized, but like once you listen to that all the way through, we continue that. But there's a common thread where you know it's us. It's like uh, not to compare ourselves to this band because that's not fair to them or us. Uh, Queen, like they did whatever the fuck they wanted all the time. They played all different types of stuff and you always knew it was them. Right. You know, and that's kind of what we strive for. Like we all have such a vast and versatile musical influence library that we're always going to keep trying new things and you know like that's just kind of who we are and i'm glad you see that you know like we're not going to write bleeding mascara again if you want to hear that go listen to that record <laughs> right you know we're going to write like we've grown up we're not going to you know i don't uh i always i always liken it to like do you want to eat the same same piece of pizza for the rest of your life or do you want to try like fucking pho noodle soup do you want to go and like have some weird cheese plate over in Sweden? You know, like there's other foods right. in this world and there's other types of music and there's other sounds like, uh, and we're going to keep giving you everything that we know and we want to challenge ourselves with each album. So, well, see, that's what I've always said about pizza is how it's the greatest food because one day you could have cheese, one day you could have a Supreme, one day okay, you could have mushrooms. <laughs> Come on, you can have a fucking I thought, I thought that, honestly, I thought that's where you're going. You were going to say a tray was the pizza but the toppings were the different styles of music. So you, so one day you could have a, a cheese that's a good one, but that's still limited because you're not really going to have pizza soup or something, mm. or you're not really going to have like sushi <laughs> pizza. But I get where you're going. Right. <laughs> uh, talk a little bit about working with John Feldman. I think he's one of the more fascinating producers mm -hmm. of the last 20 or so years with some of the stuff with Story of the Year and The Used and mm -hmm. you guys multiple times. And just, just there's a there's a... Like when you hear John Feldman's working with a band, you know it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, he's great. And this is our third album with him, so clearly we like him. Um, Let Sales for us was an interesting time because we had never worked with a producer. It was my second album, but I can speak for the rest. Like they'd never worked with someone that was so hands-on to the process. And so like there were moments where I'm not going to lie to you, like, we butted heads. I'm using that one properly this time. Uh, like, <laughs> we definitely butted heads because we were just like fucking punk kids that thought we knew what we were doing. And he was like telling us to, to giving us suggestions to move things around and, and like try new things. And we were, you know, it, we created an amazing album out of it, but there were definitely there were times where it clashed. And I think if you look, spoke to us directly after that, we might not have been like, yeah, I don't really want to work with him again. Or we might have said like, yeah, I think that was good. You know, that was fun, but I wouldn't do it again type thing. And then I think like, and we were probably the first like, no offense to story of the year that you was like the first actual heavy band that worked with him, you know, at the time. So I'm sure he learned a lot too. And he worked with a lot of heavy bands after us. And so like when it was coming time to do In Our Wake, all of us were like, let's work with Feldman again. Like when, when we, you know, even, I mean, even, even just, a, you know, a little bit of time after the record, we realized, and in working on the, on congregation, we realized how much we learned from that process and how much he 
inspired in us and the creativity he made us dig for was something we'd never, you know, we'd never really had at that point. And so honestly, like in our wake was the greatest recording experience I'd ever had uh, until baptized. But he, his style, at least, I don't know when it shifted because it wasn't like this at Unlead Sales as much, but he's a very like, okay, what is a good theme for this song? What it, what What is the message you want to tell? What's the hook? What's the melody? And like that is the, the starting point. And it's very much of like, okay, what do you want to tell today? Like, who are you right now? And so this, the music that comes out of you is very, for lack of a better term, to not sound, you know, to sound hippie weird, but like it's organic. It's a, in a very good flow state. It's very in the moment. You know what I mean? And it's a very good reflection of who you are as an artist and a creative human being at that moment. And that's just a fucking incredible way, especially for me to write. Like I could sit and I could brood over writing a song for months and I would just keep cycling back because I wouldn't think it's good enough. But if you just in the moment, we're just working on it, working on it, working on it together. Like this person has an idea. Oh, I came in that day with this melody and in this little bit of a chorus line. What is that? How does that feel? Brandon grabs the guitar and plays that. I'm like, fuck yeah. Dan says something. Travis says something. Feldman comes in with his own thing that day. Like it's such an explosive and exciting dynamic that like, I mean, there were days where we were writing and recording two songs in a day. Oh, wow. Because, and it like, and like I said, at the beginning of this, like in that scenario, he creates such a world that's, you're just excited to work. And also like, he doesn't waste time. He's got shit to do, you know? And he has a team around him that are always working and always doing shit. And there's a caffeine or a caffeine machine, a coffee machine in the <laughs> wall, ready to just shove as much caffeine down your throat if you, as you can. And it's a beautiful fucking experience, man. Like it's, he's like, I would work with him for every record forever from now on with the trade, just because he's, he's doing exactly what I said earlier that we are doing. He's always challenging himself. He always wants to write the best song. He always wants to try something new. He always wants to experiment and bring a new sound and a new style and try something new. Or, and with Baptize, like we introduced something that me personally, I had frowned upon for years and years. And I wasn't a fan of, and I didn't see the point of, and that's writing with other people. I thought I was this tough fucking, I mean, I'm not a tough metal guy. I'll be perfectly <laughs> honest. But like, I thought it was like, I'm a fucking tough metal guy. We write all of our own shit. Not right. anyone. And then I'm like, we, we started talking before baptized of like, do you want to do this? Feldman brought up the idea and Brandon, he co-writes all the time with tons of bands. And that's what he's, he's a, uh, he's a fucking master songwriter. There's no other word for it. Like Brandon is a fucking master songwriter. It is silly how good he is. It's not fair to the rest of us. <laughs> we all bring our own talents, but like, and we're all like, everyone is really, really fucking exceptional at writing in this band. But Brandon just, he does it as a profession too, you know? And so he had brought up, he's like, yo, I've done this a lot and I think it could be fun for us. And, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I was hesitant. Uh, and I think a few of us were, and we talked a lot about it. And so we tried it. We brought a couple people in on these songs. And honestly, like, nothing changed except they might've pushed us in the same way to think of a different melody. Like, for instance, in Save Us, right? The first verse of that song. It's like, can you see the law? Da-da. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Da-da. Normally, 
we would have had a gap after that part and then it would have continued with the same meter, right? And that would have been verse done. But we wrote that song with uh, Grandson and his co-writer. And he was like, why don't you do like a connection line in between those, you know, four parts, right? Two, two, two chunks of it. Why don't you do a connection line? So that's the like, tell me, are you tired of the lost? Like, and connect. And that's, it's still us doing it. It's still us performing it. It's still our lyrics. It's still us doing everything. Right. But they just inspired that, made you see your own song that you had already brought to the table in a slightly different way to tweak it in a new way. And that's what every fucking band ever has done on the radio, just not in the metal world. And so right. it's like, not even on the radio, just every band that everyone watching this has listened to, they have co-writers. So it, it honestly, it opened up a new, a whole new chapter, a new world. And like, we got to write two songs with Mark Hoppus. Like, who wouldn't want to do that? Like, it was <laughs> right. fucking great. He's a really funny guy. And a really good writer. And so it was an, it was a good experience. I don't even know where your question started, but that was a good tangent, I think. No, I liked it a lot. And, it, and, it's, <laughs> and it's something that's not talked about a lot because in metal, I think there's a very tried and true, you know, Metallica. We're Metallica. James writes the songs. Lars writes the songs. That's it. You know, like there's no, there's no outside writer that comes in and sits down. You know, there's a very... I don't know, staunch metal thing about that. You know, you don't have, well, we'll say it like this. You know, when you, when they make fun of a Beyonce song because there's 13 co-writers on it, you know, and people look at that as a bad thing, which, you know, maybe that 13th writer was the one that put the one thing in there that made everybody love it. You never I mean, know. We're not, we're not going to go to those links. We're going to just never stick know. to one or maybe two in a room. But, <laughs> uh, and like I said, this whole record wasn't done that way. The whole yeah. second half was just us. Um, and who knows if we'll do it on the next one, but it was just fun to try, man. It really was. And it didn't, it, uh, it only enhanced and you, you'll like, it just, it's, it was such a good experience. I can't yeah. I just, I just think being I'm around over myself again, but no, <laughs> you're good. I think it's just being around creative people, you know, kind of, uh, generate that creativeness inside a lot of different people, you know, it, it might sure. charge you in a different way than, you know, the same five dudes in the practice room for the last 20 years. You might need to mix it up here and there. Yeah. I mean, you get the horse with blinders scenario, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of bands fall into that trap. And that's something we've strived to burst outside of with the help of, you know, John Feldman over the years and with just our own drive and existence. And I think, like, you said, like, that, like, old school metal mentality, like, not going to lie, me personally, <laughs> that, not, not just, like, the mentality of metal people, but that closed-minded mentality is what's fucking polluting this existence as humanity. Like, open your fucking mind and see that there's a lot more to this existence. Dudes can fucking cry. You don't have to be a tough guy all the time, dude. You know what I mean? Like, you can you can show weakness. That's okay. I can talk about how I've gone to therapy. Who gives a fuck? Right. Every one of us is fucked up in the brain, and every one of you needs therapy. Sorry. <laughs> like, it's no one's fucking perfect. Yeah. You know? And so I think that, like, I want to continue challenging those points, and I want to continue showing that that's okay you know what i mean and showing that like you don't have to fall into this bullshit paradigm that has been created over the last 20 30 years like do you do what excites yeah. you do what fucking makes you happy fuck all that other nonsense you don't have to be what your parents said you don't have to be what your second grade fucking teacher or said or your church or whatever it may be figure your own path out in this existence love what you love who gives a fuck as long as you're not hurting anyone or like racist bigoted or hateful right. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Yeah, it's that's definitely uh I think over the last, you know, handful of five years or so, you know, therapy and things like that have been talked about way more you know, in, in the mainstream world, you know, you hear more comedians talking about it and stuff like that. A lot of people are going to therapy yeah. now. A lot of people are really trying to figure out, you know, what thing in their childhood made them take that left turn and, and, mm -hmm. you know, react to certain things, certain ways. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty nuts, man. And I, and honestly, funny you talk about that because the last few months, that's kind of where my brain has been too, of trying to figure out a few things and like, why, why do I react this way to certain things? And that's, fucking positive that's a beautiful thing to like i think that i always connect it to sorry i was just turning on the ac because i got heated literally on that one uh that's why i, was <laughs> I mean to disconnect from you or make you think i was no you're um, good. i always equate it to like you've seen san francisco right the city yeah yeah you've yeah in there big yeah, fucking yeah. hills right oh there's yeah. a car on top of that hill or mountain whatever the fuck you want to call it and if you try and stop that car as it's starting to roll, it's super easy to just like step out in front of it. But if you try to do that same fucking thing at the bottom of the of the hill, you're dead. And that's yeah. like what you just said made me think of that. Like we can get ahead of these bad, these like, you know, harsh negative thoughts, these, these limiting beliefs. Like, and the moment you can start to be aware that like, oh, I'm doing that. Why do I do that? I don't want to be that person. Right. That's fucking huge and beautiful. You know what I mean? And if everyone did that, what you just said that you're that you're trying, like this world would be a much better place. But people are just fucking full of ego and they're proud for no fucking reason and scared <laughs> for no reason. It's wild. But it is it is nuts, man. Uh, I did want to kind of uh, run back to something else before we kind of wrap up. Was you know you going out to Orange County, being from Alabama, mm -hmm. and the, at the time which was what, roughly early 2000s, 2002, 2003, somewhere in there? Yeah. 2001. So, I mean, you're kind of seeing the birth of that Orange County metalcore mm -hmm. scene of Atreyu, then Sevenfold, Bleeding Through, 18 Visions. All those guys are kind of coming up. And, uh, you know, being from Alabama, kind of being an outsider, seeing that kind of pop up. You know, what were your takeaways from that, from that era? I mean, I came from a very small town with very limited musical like nobody came through fucking i live across the bay from mobile and like the southern little bit of okay. alabama next to florida and mississippi there's nothing i had to drive two and a half hours to new orleans or four and a half to atlanta to see anything you know and like being able to just go 10 minutes and go to chain reaction or go to the glass house or go to la and the, the plethora of venues they have like it was wild like seeing thrice when they were coming up even in like the pop punk era of like, you know, all those like drive through bands, like, this is probably not your world, but everything was colliding there. There was so much music at all times playing everywhere. And you felt like you were part of something building. And it was a fucking beautiful thing. Like I remember seeing Thrice and Alkaline Trio and Atreyu and all these other bands in those eras. And it was, it was definitely something special. And, you know, I didn't, I was playing in an Orange County band. Uh, one of them, we were, uh, it was a friends with friends in college. And then there was another one that were all from Yorba Linda, where Atreyu were from. And they knew they went to high school with the Atreyu guys. So like we were doing really well in that scene. And honestly, like if we kept going, we would have done really big things, I think, because it was all part of that. There was just this bubble and like massive, like hub of inspiration for lack of a better term. Like 
it was really, really fun to be a part of that. And it was, it was, you could feel it, you know, it really was something, yeah. something to be a part of. It's, I've never thought about it that way, but yeah, it was really yeah, cool. It's kind of, I mean, I've had, you know, guys in kill switch engage that whole scene that was going mm -hmm. on up there in the new England area. Mm -hmm. And and I tell them too, you know, I'm 41. I was in new metal bands in the nineties, things like that. Mm -hmm. But when, when a Trey you and kill switch, all these bands started coming around. I remember all of us going, Oh, we can play guitar solos again. You know, we can, you know, be musicians again, not just play zeros and ones on our, on our guitars. And, and there, there was such a, there was such a, a, a nice freshness about that whole scene that we all fell in love with. I think. That's cool. I've never heard it from that perspective. That's fun to hear. Yeah. And definitely trade you. I mean, trade you was one of those, like, you know, your guitar players, both of them just like mm -hmm. absolutely shred. So they it was do. like, and that was, that was literally one of the first times, you know, a tray you and on earth where like, like, oh my God, guitar virtuosos, mm -hmm. and they're not being frowned upon because, you know, kind of in that new metal scene. I mean, if you played, you know, solos like that, I mean, you'd probably be like, what are you guys doing? Get out of here, thrash guys. You know? Yeah, for sure. So it, it was pretty no, nuts, it was, man. Uh, it, is, it, is, it was a very refreshing time for that. No, that's really cool. How long is the, uh, how long have you guys been kind of sitting on this album? Has it been a minute? I think we finished it at the end of June. Okay. No, beginning of June. So it'll be pretty much a year to the day almost that we finished it. Uh, finished being recorded. There's all also like right. mixing, mastering, all that shit takes a long time. So we didn't even get the the finished mastered album until like December or something because of all the changes. And, you know, we had, we have now everything's obvious. I've been hiding it for so long. Like we have Matt Hafey from Trivium. We have Jacoby. We have Travis Barker. Like, and those things, like, you know, there's, like, legal bullshit involved. <laughs> like, labels you got to get clearings from, and yeah. everybody's got to be okay with it. So that takes a while. Uh, and obviously, we had stuff going down with our band, too. So I think normal circumstances, it's not just for people that aren't in the industry. Like, it's not far-fetched to sit on an album for a year since you finish it. Um, I think it felt longer because of everything that's happened in the last year for us, because we just... We weren't on the road. We were all we we're all just kind of sitting there twiddling our thumbs, waiting to do something again. Um, but yeah, I'm ready for it to be out, man. It's uh, I think I say this with every album, but I truly mean it. This is the best thing we've ever done. Like I'm so proud of this album from front to back. There's not a dead like song on it. There's not a filler song on it. I mean, even I will say like I, we're guilty of not guilty, but like we have moments where I'm like, okay, I don't really listen to that song. Uh, but to be fair, those songs, when we played them on the live stream on Lead Sales, those songs are fucking excellent. So maybe I'm just wrong with that perspective. <laughs> but uh, I just, I love every song on this album, like truly. It's, and it takes you on a journey and it it makes you want to fucking punch things. It makes you want to, like there are songs that make you want to cry and there's things that make you like stir you emotionally and make you want to go hug your kids and your wife and or your, your loved ones, I should say, um, or your dog, whatever it may be. Um, and there's just that make you think of the challenge your place in existence and your part of humanity and then there's the fuck you songs like we do it all man and this is a it's a really fucking good record and i'm very proud of it yeah for everything i've heard so far i'm definitely enjoying it and as soon as we get off this i'm gonna finish it now that i realize i have it <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh well if you don't have my email feel free to ask or i can take yours down because i'd love to hear your thoughts all right, and yeah, i also definitely. need to give you that uh, that wing joints information yeah i'm gonna get some wing joints <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, actually, I mean, finishing finishing an album in June and and kind of the finished product in December, 
for the most people right now is not too bad because there are still people that had finished albums at the beginning of last year that didn't put them out that are still sitting on them. So, I mean, I think in the grand scheme of things, you guys probably aren't too far off of almost a normal record cycle. Yeah. And, you know, we weighed the um, detriments, let's say, for putting something out in this, in this environment. Um, and I think there were a lot of people in our, all team, let's say that were not didn't want to put it out so early. I think a lot of people wanted to wait until touring resumed so we could do the like quote unquote normal touring cycle with it and push it the right way. But I know I was a big proponent to be like, fuck that. I want to put it out. I want to get it out there. I want to put out a you know, we wanted to put out a, a good amount of songs before it. So you guys had like some content to digest and then it's a, as you've seen, it's a long fucking album. We want to put out a lot of songs before it's out, and we want you to still feel like you're getting a full album by the time you get it. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, and like I said earlier on, like I'm just ready to go do another one. So I'm like, if we put it out and we can't tour for another two years, fuck it. We'll just put out another album. <laughs> like, let's go. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely uh so are you hearing that there are going to be shows and tours and you guys are lining up things just haven't announced them. I, I saw we, you have uh, a couple of festivals here and there. Yeah, I mean we have we have, you know, festivals that we were booked at. Luckily for our sake, uh we didn't have anything really canceled. We had a couple like maybe three festivals top, four festivals tops canceled because of everything. Um so there's not much to reschedule for us. Uh, the, we're playing Aftershock in October, I believe. And there's another festival in the fall as well that hopefully will happen. Um, and there's definitely talks of things opening up. Uh, California is opening on in a week. I think they're going to open up 20% capacity and venues. Uh, so, you know, like we have an album coming out June. I would love to play some actual fucking shows around that time. Will it happen? I have no idea. We don't know what promoters are going to want to do. We don't know if promoters want to take the risk. Will it just be cover bands for the first couple, six months till they can make sure that they, people are actually showing up. There's so many moving parts and there's so many unknowns to this time. And in, in, in our existence, humanity that like, you know, just our little niche of live music and entertainment has never faced not to mention the entirety of fucking existence. But uh, so I honestly can't, I can't confirm, but I can say that we are actively daily on emails trying to work shit out to play shows as soon as fucking possible. We miss it just as much as, as the fans do. We want to play just as much as y'all do. Like, you know, we are uh, the last people that any of this uh, from a governmental standpoint has given a shit about, you know, like, we are not essential. We are not, we're at arts, you know, arts are always kicked, kicked in the dick in the background. So right. it's, uh, we are, we want to get back as soon as possible. We love, we love music. We miss y'all. And like, like we said at one point in this, like we haven't even played a proper show as this version of our band and we really want to. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Have you been in Alabama this whole time for the, uh, majority yeah, of the um, So I drove out with my wife from Alabama road trip style. Uh, beginning of January to go work on Baptize because we knew we were going to go uh, record the album, half of the album, then go to Australia, come back. We were going to play a show in Malaysia, actually, which would have been awesome. Um, 
think we actually had flights booked and we were going to stop in Hong Kong. And then I was like, in like February, I'd been seeing on Reddit about this thing happening over there. I was like, guys, are we, should we be aware of this? <laughs> uh, and then, so then we were going to, you know, go to Australia, do Malaysia and then finish the album. So we're like, let's just road trip. Let's have fun. Like when we're in California, my sister lives out there. So we stay with my sister and her family. They're wonderful and very welcoming. And we have lots of friends out there. So like, let's just go out and stay and ended up, you know, like we couldn't start the record when we, to finish the record when we wanted to, because of everything that happened that got pushed. So we didn't, we were in California for the first six months of 2020. And then we drove back cross country and we've been here ever since I had to drive back and forth two more times last year to do videos and photo shoots and then to do the live stream. So thankfully it's looking like I actually will get to fly out next time. So. Yeah. It's funny you talk about the, I've, I've spoke about this on the podcast a few times, so I won't, make it too long for people that actually listen each week but you know the, my yeah. last big trip was to san francisco in february we went out nice. there for the for a mr bunkle show for one of those reunion shows they did we flew out there and it was like right at the beginning of the whole there's something going on and we get on the flight and sure. there was like there was like a handful of people wearing masks you know and, and you're like man what what is, what is all this you know this covid coronavirus thing or whatever and, and basically we get home and a month later everything's shut down but for sure. so you you being down in, in where you are kind of close to Florida, at least you can go to Florida and do something, you know, and have a little bit of fun, you know, rather than well, ev everyone in California has pretty much, you know, been in their houses. So, well, we, uh, I mean, this is a, a volatile topic. So without, you know, insulting people that have a different stance than I do on it, we were, um, we've been very, very, very much on lockdown here. Yeah. Like my family has an immune, immunocompromised person in, in here. Luckily, we live on 150 acres of land that used to be the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of uh, subdivisions around now, but we've pretty much just isolated ourselves. We were in California. Same thing. Like my sister's husband is a little bit older. No one fucking knows even still for the most part what this thing can do. <laughs> right. Uh, you, it's a very some people just get over it like it's a cold and some people have still have lung problems and fucking Maynard has arthritis in his wrists and like who the fuck knows what 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 uh what had happened. So we were just all very, very careful. So the whole time in California, like we didn't leave. We had groceries delivered, you know, and even here, like we'll go and watch sunset at the bay, but we're staying the fuck away from anyone and we're masked up everywhere. We have groceries delivered here, you know, pretty much even still. We're still on an island. Yes, like I mean Yes, Florida's open, and yes, Mississippi are open. But let's be fair, Alabama don't give a fuck. We're red as <laughs> they're red as fuck here. They do whatever they want, and that's fine, you know. Like, but we've we've definitely kept on an island, and um, you know that's why I am excited to fly and have that sort of normalcy. Like living in Germany for two years, I would be flying all the time back and forth, and I'd be flying. You know, even living here for the first couple of years, I would be flying and going to see. Like, I love traveling, and I love yeah. that experience, and it's such a huge part of my existence. That I haven't had in a while. So I am very excited to do that. Um, but I am also a fucking hermit and I don't <laughs> need to go out and I enjoy my solitude. And I haven't been stationary at all in my adult life because of being in this band. So, like, this has honestly been a huge time of growth for me and my family and, and uh, my wife. And we adopted a, a dog in June and, and we adopted a cat two weeks ago. Uh, and so, like, we're growing a lot here in ways that we never could have and would have. So I think, and, you know, obviously I would never choose to do this and choose for this to happen <laughs> because of all the 
horrors and death and, and pain that it's afflicted, but we've made the most out of the situation and we've, we've made it a bright spot in our existence as a family. So. Yeah. I think a lot of guys in touring bands that, that get a, have had a chance to kind of be home and be around their kids and, mm -hmm. and things like that. And, you know, around their dog and, and, you know, around family and just take that. A lot of that's taken away that a lot of people don't realize how much you miss out on, being sure. around the kids, being around, you know, your loved ones and, you yeah. know, uh, trying to have a wife when you're on tour six, eight weeks at a time, three months at a time, you know, it's, it's a, it's rough. It's rough on a lot of people. And yeah. you know, I think a lot of people in your situation that get to sit home for a little bit and, and be a homebody and, and, you know, be around the house every single day, it's, it's kind of good. And I think Probably about this time, I think everybody's probably chomping at the bit to get back out too. But I think it's been nice for everyone to kind of kind of hit the reset button for a minute. Hundred percent, and not only that, but the flip side of it, we will never take what we do for granted again. We right. have been given an opportunity to have a fucking amazing life, and we should never ever take playing a show in front of anyone for granted right. again. And traveling and doing what we get to do, like. I cannot say how grateful I am to have, I mean, it, let's be fair. It is a privilege. It's a fucking rare chance in this existence that there's a very small percentage of bands that can actually be able to tour for a living. And we have been for a very long time. And uh, I think that is, we didn't really talk about this and I don't know if we needed to, but the like hiatus pause button that we did, right? Right. Like that's something that me personally, I realized during that time as well. And when we came back, there wasn't a single fucking show that I did not give every single ounce that I possibly could because anyone that reached another pocket and bought a ticket for our band deserves nothing but that. Right. And so like, if I didn't already have a great appreciation for planning a show and what, what that meant to be on that stage and enjoying that, not only just like playing out of the duty that it is to the people that give a shit about our band, but like having fun while doing it. Right. Like I, <laughs> it's such a part of you that you don't realize. And the moment we played a show again in 2014, it was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I love this. And I'm like, this is a huge, has been a huge hole in my existence that I didn't realize I was missing. And so now like that, for another reason that we didn't, couldn't foresee that, that, that pause button was great for us is now like doing this again. We know what it's like and how, how good it feels. And we just cannot fucking wait. And it's going to be the best version of us that they've, uh, our fans have ever seen too. So pluses yeah, on pluses I, on pluses. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to be like, yeah, I'll catch them next time. <laughs> you know, when you when you start getting to that that get back into that yeah, mode, you no, know. No, I wonder. I wonder how like the because at like, first everybody's going to be chopping, chopping the bit. The bit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And they they just want to go to a show again. And I wonder how long that'll stay because I've like I do Twitch uh, multiple times a week and we talk about it often and they're like. Uh, I'm never going to take a show for advantage again either. Like I'm going to see that band. There was yeah. people that did, like you just said, like, I'll see him next time. Like, nah, watch them now, motherfucker. Support them <laughs> now. Because if this happens again or something like this happens again, they may not survive and you may not be able to see it again. So like, I think that that, that this time has made us appreciate that. Those things that we love in this existence that we had taken advantage of. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy, but I also think that at the same time, I mean, I think once touring is open and everything's gonna happen, even B and C markets are probably gonna be flooded by bands that are just gonna be like trying to tour and make up for 2020. And and you know, I, I've always said too on these festival shows, you know, I think the 
you know, you know, where you get the the younger, newer bands at the bottom of the bill. I think some of those bottom of the bill bands probably could be, you know, top tier bands, but there's just going to be so many that there's just going to be like it's just this big gigantic, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, you're not wrong, and I think I think I'm sorry if I interrupted you. Sorry. No, you're good. Uh, oh, the sound just went weird. Is that you or me? Uh, it's not me. Can you hear me? I can't. Is that? Uh, check one. No, we're good now. It just okay. went like real weird and echoey or something. Um, <laughs> uh, now I lost my point. Shit. Just saying that. No. Okay. Yeah. So will I be think stacked. It, it will. They will be, and I think that they'll be that way also out of necessity. I think that touring packages, you're going to have to have a stacked bill because there's going to be a lot of people that are vying for attention now, and I think like we as a almost as like a respect thing. For bands that had shit booked in 2020 and even parts of this year that have already been canceled again, like bands like my band that didn't have anything canceled, we almost have to just be like, y'all do your thing for a minute, <laughs> you know? Because like there have been so many festivals abroad and here that have been canceled that like they got to try and do those again. There's so many tours. And, and so I'm, I'm really curious to see how it plays out. Is there money for promoters to play it? Can bands afford to even tour again? These are all massively massive unknowns. Like, it's not going to be the same <laughs> probably at all ever again. And that's yeah, okay. Not, we just got to figure out how to exist in it. Yeah. I'm excited to see how it all works out, man. And, uh, you know, just as we wrap this up, man, Porter, appreciate you taking the time today. This has been a good one. Thanks, man. I appreciate you wanting to talk to me and us. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, guys, uh, a tray, you baptized out June 4th, spine farm records, mm -hmm. Porter, man, this has been fantastic. Agreed. Thanks for your time. What is up, everybody? It is Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show and Aftershocks TV. And before we get to this next episode, just wanted to remind you, I have this book out there, Cause and Effect Turbo. It is about the Judas Priest release Turbo from 1986. Tells a lot of fun stories about that time, that time in my life, that time with the band. It's a cool, short, quick read. It is available now on Amazon.com or on my website, ChrisAikenBooks.com. So make sure you get it. Get it today. Don't hesitate, all right? All right, enough of me selling my shit. Here's something I don't have to sell. This next episode that you came here to see.